Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. You know, a long time ago, when I first started this podcast, I did an episode on the stories we tell, the ones we tell and the ones that are told about us and how those affect our well-being and our ability to thrive and generate a life that is full and conscious. Today, I want to talk about something that springs to mind that's sort of related to that, but is a little deeper look into the original stories that affect us and feed us and the ones in which everything is built on top of and how important it is to get to the, to the center and to the source. Recently, I was reading a book called Root and Ritual, which I'll reference in the show notes. Um, and it's a good book to, to check out. It's really beautiful. And it talks about how important it is to know more about the land you live on and who originally owned it, um, to know the original story. And it wasn't hard to discover just a few clicks on the internet that where my house sits is on the ancestral homeland of the northern Arapaho. And after the U.S. government broke um, an, an 1860s treaty with several tribes, the northern Arapaho lost their land and were forced onto the Wind River Reservation in Wyoming. And I felt incredibly ashamed that I've been living here for almost two years, and I had not known that. And it took me less than two minutes um, to find out this information with a simple Google search. And so after that search, I have vowed to keep learning and to continue to get to the source of the origin story of my land, but not just that, of all the things in my life, because this has really kind of opened up something for me that I want to share with you. I think the privilege that we even have the ability to ignore the origin story in many cases is what we need to recognize and rectify. You know, we can live on these stolen lands without this story even coming across our desks, um, which is an incredible travesty. And the sweet little book, Root and Ritual, reminded me to, to find out the origin source, sorry, the origin story of my water source. <clears throat> and what a simple thing. And it also, it turns out, is really easy to research. My city's drinking water is all surface water that comes from streams, lakes, and reservoirs that are fed by snowmelt and rainfall in the St. Rain Creek watershed and the Colorado and Fraser Rivers on the West Slope. And so these origin stories have led me to think more about the importance of the center and the source and how understanding 
how when we know the source of these things, it can be important in the health and in the vitality of our future. Otis, my six-year-old boy, has been getting in the car pretty grumpy from the carpool pickup line, which is, um, which is unusual for him. And I'm always really eager to hear about his day, and I always want to ask so many questions and get a little peephole into what first grade is like for him. But lately, he has been really quiet and even sullen, and he's just wanted me to turn up the music um, when he gets into the car. But something has told me not to push, and so I haven't. I haven't pushed. I've backed off. I've let him land and decompress and deflate a little bit. Sometimes we can guess the source of things. Otis has a new school. He's making new friends. He's the new kid, which we all know takes a lot of extra energy and attention. And I think what happens is by the time he hits the car at 325 in the afternoon, which is absolutely a safe place to let down, he he just can't hold it all up anymore. And so I'm learning to give grace, even to try to understand the origin of the sullenness, because I think it's really just simple exhaustion, overstimulation. And the salve for that is, <laughs> is not more questions from mama. The salve for that is rest and alone time and me not pressing and me not pushing And when I do that, within usually about 30 minutes or so, he kind of plumps back to life and has some sweet things to share about his day on his own accord. Sometimes part of getting to the source of something or someone is listening, watching, being quietly curious while something unfolds and letting the information emerge. Of course, this is quite different from the source material of stolen lands and the privilege that is installed in turning a blind eye. But nevertheless, either way, it's important to get to the source, whether that involves deep research and dismantling our privilege, or whether that getting to the source means just softening your back body into the car seat and listening to the sullen cues of your family when they're trying to tell you they're in need of space and waiting for that information to emerge on its own. When we pluck things from other cultures, races, religions, traditions, because we are attracted to them or get sparked by their uniqueness, we are appropriating something sacred without the inclusion of the source, without the acknowledgement of where it began. And, and that's poisonous, and it leaves folks feeling ripped of something that they themselves have created or been a part of a culture that created that, even if the intention, I think, comes from an honest admiration. And so we have to source things and keep mining the stories until the truth is gleaming and understood, or at least you know, is, is starting to be understood. And I think, I think this is such a process. All the questions don't get answered on the first, you know, the first research, the first Google. My interest in understanding source stories about the land I live on is going to take some time. 
I want to have more than a surface understanding of the stories my house is built on and be able to tell my children the truth and myself the truth and be able to pass that forward. I was thinking too, in my personal life, I was thinking about the communication in my marriage and how it's evolved over time and how Matt and I used to fight versus how we fight now. When we were first a couple, I think we really failed to see the source of how our relationships with our own families, our origin families, was feeding into the expectations of each other. We used to fight a lot at the start. And I remember after some kind of serious excavation, we discovered that the source of some of our anger had really little to do with our own stories of each other, but instead what was unresolved with our parents and our origin stories of partnership and marriage and what that had been modeled um, by our parents. And oh man, what a, what a breakthrough and a lightning strike that was for our love story. And just recognizing that released, I think, so much heaviness. And by recognizing and naming the source, the anger between us dissolved for the most part. And, and we don't fight like that anymore. I mean, of course, we fuss about this and that, but it's not those kind of deep wounding fights that usually are about more than just you left the bread out, that sort of thing. Now, if somebody leaves the bread out, we might like fuss about that, but then it's there and then it's gone. And that's a different way of communicating because the venom is gone mostly by naming the origin story that wasn't even ours in the first place. Just so refreshing. There is this wonderful book called Cassandra Speaks, uh, when the women are the storytellers, the human story changes. And it's by Elizabeth Lesser. And I'm also going to reference this in the show notes. It is a great book. And in it, Lesser, she talks about origin stories, Adam and Eve and Pandora and Cassandra. And she talks about some fairy tales and myths and the ways um, that those stories have kind of been cemented in our culture. And Lesser points out how we have consciously or sometimes even unconsciously absorbed these foundational stories into our bodies and into our bones and how in many cases they have created limiting and even shameful shackles around women and how they carry themselves in the world and the blame about how women are so, so often blamed for creating disruption just by their ability to be compelling and curious and intuitive. <laughs> I mean, Eve, right? It was all Eve's fault. The curiosity and the temptation is written into the, the, the first story ever that's encrusted in our DNA and the one that we've all heard, that it was our fault as women. And Lesser's book, <clears throat> it's certainly a book worth reading that will sort of turn the ideas of the stories you know and the stories you've always been fed. It will turn those on their head in a good way. It will bring fresh blood into your uh, foundation, I think. So I, I guess my real interest in this episode is to call us up again to the task of curiosity and intrigue, to go past face value 
of really everything that we've been told and taught and fed and to drop into the wisdom of our body and the intuition that tugs at us all when we are able to get quiet enough. And so then when we get to the bottom of things or the center of things, the source, then what do we do? How do we use or digest that information? Is there more to it than just naming it and knowing it? And yes, I think there is. I think we have to let the source material move through us and change our current state. I can say without a doubt that knowing about the Northern Arapaho being the rightful owners of this land changes, is changing and changes my current state and how it feels to be living in my house on this land. Since I read that, I've thought about it a lot. When I look out into my own yard, I wonder what exactly happened here. I am sparked to learn more, to understand more about the people who lived here, who rightfully lived here, and to allow that information to change my current state. What is the land wanting and how can I honor its wishes? What can I continue to learn and uncover that will help me be a better steward of this land now? When we uncover things, they air out and they might be able to even heal or at least have fresh air and oxygen to generate something new. I was thinking about Matt and Otis and trying to decode my family in ways that I can be a better human for what they need. Anger so often can be a disguise for some kind of deeper truth related to hurt or shame. And we, we know this. You, you know this already. And usually anger is not the source of the story. Anger is usually the later reaction once the hurt has marinated. It's, it's just the thing that surfaces. So if we can take a breath when someone is angry or cold and not excuse them for it, but just breathe a little time and space into the moment to be able to see them, to maybe imagine a possible story that is directly underneath that anger, wanting to be told and tended to. And I think the more we understand about the source and center of something, the more we are able to evolve and transform that into goodness now. The more we understand about the underneath and behind us, the more we can maintain a consciousness about our choices moving forward. Going back to Elizabeth Lesser's book, Cassandra Speaks, she refers to a quote by Jose Ortega y Gasset, and he says, tell me what you pay attention to, and I will tell you who you are. Tell me what you pay attention to, and I will tell you who you are. And I love this quote, and I believe this to be true. If we don't pay attention to the source, of course, we can just skip, skip over it, skate right over it. We can inhabit our land without any understanding of how we ended up here. We can snap at our kids and their sullenness and make it about us without listening to the signs or the silence and letting something emerge with a little time. We absolutely can blame our partners for the patterns that we have accumulated in childhood. 
We can take the myths and the stories of our culture and absorb them without contest or intuition. We can skate and skate and skate on top of that all. But I do believe that when we do that, there is a significant price. And that price, I think, is our own evolution. Because when we understand the source of things, or at least we begin to, we become less insular. We take things less personally, and we widen our cultural lens to include more possibility. In the past few weeks, I have begun to change my thoughts to from my land. It's not my land, but I am a steward of this land, this land that has a, sto- a sordid history. It doesn't belong to me, but I am here being a steward. And so I've really kind of shifted that uh, recently, which feels really good and, and important. And Otis, in the same vein, is not just pouting at me. It's not personal to me, but I'm choosing to have a wider lens, more insight into how I can be of service to him and his needs, even even ones that he's not able to recognize or name at this point. So to be incredibly simple, it's more information. Knowing the backstory can give us more information, which in turn, I think, gives us more compassion because it's always more layered than we think. I have lived in a lot of houses and apartments over my years a lot. (laughs) I've moved so much that I have completely lost count of the places, all the places I've lived in. And something I've always done every single time I have left a place is, is left some sort of mark that I have been there. Sometimes it was a small note in pencil inside one of the closets or a heart in felt tip pen under the stairs. It's different. It's different every time. I started doing this when I was a kid, and I just kept doing it through adulthood. And when I left our last house, I wrote in the closet of the children's room, I hope you find some magic here. And then I drew a little balloon with a string. And it's sort of hard to find, and I'm not sure anybody ever will, because <laughs> it's r- really deep in the corner and it's small. But it made me feel good to leave a part of me, a part of us, as a mark, as a part of the story of the house. Because I think imprints are left. Houses and lands and even jewelry and clothes can have imprints of the stories that they carry. <clears throat> And when we become the new owners, we can feel those imprints if we are quiet and conscious, if we want to. And I think that we should want to because I think it makes our experience richer and it makes our future different when we know what has been layered on top. So this morning, I'm recording this once again from my closet. And in the past month, I've had covid strep, bronchitis, and now pneumonia. And all my New Year's plans have kind of turned into dust. And right now, it's a good day if I can just take a hot shower and feed myself. And I was texting with my friend yesterday, telling her the laundry list of respiratory illnesses that I've had in the last few weeks. And she paused and she said, is there something that you're not saying aloud? Is there something you are keeping suppressed? 
And I thought, wow, what a beautiful and potent question and a way to be curious about this. And perhaps a key to the source and the origin story, or at least some insight into that, into what my body's kind of trying to say. And so I, like you, am going to listen for it to emerge and research and surround myself with wise beings like this. So that's it. Take your time, listen for the stories, even the ones that are harder to hear. Search for them in order to understand your place more. And I think when we do that, the world improves around us. So much love to all of you. Check out the show notes for these books I mentioned, um, which are great reads, and for information on how to become a patron of this podcast, which is also becoming a part of our origin story and our emerging story as an active participant in this, in this, the thriving of this podcast. So thank you so much to our patrons and uh, blessings. Blessings.